Wonderful. Well, um, I don't know about you, but life seems to be getting busier very quickly at the moment. I don't know why. I didn't feel like, you know, things weren't happening over the last 18 months, but I think I'd forgotten how much time it takes to, I don't know, get from one place to another, talk to people in between, uh, do all of these things. And not only that, there are new opportunities to see people, catch up with people, make friends. It's just um, life is coming back to life, but it, it feels busier. And maybe some of us, maybe like me, aren't quite used to it yet. But I think sometimes the whole of life can feel like that as well. Like everything is going a million miles an hour. And if you don't, if you don't stop um, intentionally, it could just it could pass you by. BBC News, 24-hour updates, you know. Breaking news, there's been a military coup at the local BP garage. And you have to queue for an hour um, and hand in your, uh, you know, I don't know what to get petrol these days. Well, politics, this is, the world's just changing so quickly. You know, one week, there's an Afghanistan that we recognize. And literally a week later, it's, it's unrecognizable. Um, and it just feels, I don't know, it's so much of life, like if you, don't, um, if you don't switch up, change up, you get left behind, you end up paying the cost. If you don't change your energy provider pretty much every couple of years, they make you pay for it. If you don't pay for your insurance, you know, switch your insurance or your phone or whatever it might be, you end up paying for it. Sometimes it just feels like uh, you have to keep hurtling forward just to stay in the same place. I don't know whether you've had the experience of um, missing a travelator in an airport. Have you ever done, been to an airport? No one's been recently, obviously. But being to an airport, it's one of those horizontal escalators. Absolute genius. It's like, but it's really funny if you get on one. It's really a fundamental existential crisis if you don't. Because I remember missing one with my family, going walking through the airport. My family all got on it. And they're just calmly and serenely walking at a normal pace, but just powering ahead of me, just like that. And you're there down the side, and you're trying to tell yourself, it doesn't matter. It's fine, they're just gonna have to wait me at the other end. It, uh, you know, nothing, can, they can't leave without me. The plane's not gonna leave any, but there's this kind of thing inside of you, like they're just disappearing into the distance. And you can't run, because then it shows that you're panicking, and I don't know, it just feels like the height of injustice and futility, and maybe I'm reading too much into the experience. But it can feel sometimes like life is like that. People are just, just dis disappearing into the distance. And when we live in a world like that, and that is our, most of our lives, most of the time, it can be difficult to learn to wait on the Lord, to stop and take time to wait on God. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, the, the art, the challenge, because it is a challenge of learning to wait upon the Lord. I know it can be hard for me, beginning of a new term, so many things coming in my inbox, to take time away from all of that, to spend time and listen to the Lord. Maybe for some of us, we're new to Cambridge and we are making new friends, doing new things. We see everyone else getting on and getting ahead and this and the other. It could be hard to sort of feel like, wait on the Lord. I remember when I was in my 20s and all my friends seemed to be getting married. I remember it was difficult to say, I'm going to wait for the Lord and not rush this. 
It can be hard when maybe we watch other people in life getting ahead financially, and it just feels like we are stuck. What are we going to do? How are we going to deal with that? Maybe it's ill health or something else that makes you feel like life is getting ahead of you. I wonder what you're waiting for this morning. Well, in, in the time this passage was written, Israel was waiting for something. They were waiting for God to deliver them in the most big, most concrete way. Um, because of their rebellion against God, they had found themselves taken captive by the Babylonian Empire. And to us, that just sounds like a fairy tale, you know, <laughs> Babylon. Uh, but if you look in the history books, the Empire of Babylon was one of the cruelest nations of all time. The way that they treated their um, captives, their slaves, is beyond barbaric. Um, and Israel had been there a long time. And they had, uh, not only was life difficult, they'd lost houses and families and jobs. And not only that, they'd lost a future. They didn't have any home. And they are there, and they are desperate. And they are, are, they are desperate in need of deliverance. But into this situation, God speaks. He speaks this incredible, incredible passage that Isaiah brings from the Lord to them. And the heart of it, the, the crescendo of it at the end is this. He says to them, and he says to us today, even youths go to grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope, or those more literally who wait upon the Lord, will renew their strength. That is a passage to hold on to so many times of life, to come back to. And this isn't a new idea. This isn't an Isaiah-only idea. Actually, this is such a key theme in the Scriptures. Again and again, the Lord says this to his people. So we find in Psalm 37, and many of the Psalms actually, Psalm 37 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Jeremiah writes in Lamentations, It is good to wait patiently, quietly, for the salvation of the Lord. In the scriptures, again and again, we find that learning to wait for the Lord is one of the kind of key attributes of the life of faith. It's a core skill for Christians. And we're going to look at this passage and just pick out three steps to waiting on the Lord. Three things we can put in place to help us when it feels like the last thing we want to do to come and draw our strength from the Lord. So three things. The first one is this. When everything is passing you by, when everything is hard, when the pressure is coming in, the first thing to do is remember that God hasn't forgotten you. That God hasn't forgotten you. He, he, he knows and he sees. I think that's one of the biggest struggles, isn't it? When, when maybe... Uh, the, the pressure is on, or maybe we've been waiting for a really long time and we can't see, we say, Lord, where are you? Do you even care? And of course, if we, if we don't think God cares, we're never going to wait for him. And I find it encouraging that that is exactly what Israel were feeling at this time too. This is really, really normal to feel this in the midst of it all. Because God says to them, verse 27, a bit later on in the passage, he says, why do you say, Jacob, 
Why do you complain, Israel, that my way is hidden? My cause is disregarded by the Lord. They were saying amongst themselves that God doesn't care. God doesn't see. We must only be here because he, he hasn't got a heart for us. But if, we are going to, if we're going to wait on the Lord, the first step is always going to be kind of grabbing ourselves by the scruff of the neck and saying, no, this is, isn't true. This is a lie that God has forgotten me. And coming back to remember his heart for us. And that really is what the first half of this passage is. It is just full of imagery of God's love and care and promise to come to his people. So it begins with those amazing words. First words the Lord wants his people to hear is, comfort, comfort my people. Speak tenderly to them. Picture here is of a, a loving mother or a protective father coming and gathering to his people. And then we get next a bit. It's a, it's a famous passage. A voice of one calling. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain will be made low. What's, what's going on here? Well, I don't know whether you have ever um, seen a parent uh, dash for a crying child. It can be quite a spectacle. Maybe later when we're having coffee, you might get a glimpse of this. There'll be chaos. Everything will be going on. Everyone will be chatting. But somehow, when little Jimmy falls over and knocks his head over here, if you look around, you'll see a parent, and it's just like, it's like an instinct. It's just a kind of, how do they tell? How do they know that it's their child over here? I don't know how it works. But then this instinct kicks in, and you will see chaos just descend as a parent is just throwing this chairs going flying. There are other children's going flying. Things doesn't matter what happens. There's squash everywhere, and, and they come for their child. That is the picture here. Of the Lord saying, my, my, my child is crying, I am coming. I am Make a way, get out of the way, except it isn't chairs flying. It is mountains and valleys as the Lord comes from Sinai to his people in captivity. And what, what is he like when he arrives? Well, we're told that when he arrives, he arrives on the scene as a mighty warrior. You know, get out of my way, get out of my way. And then he comes in strength. Clothed in power, like a, he rules with a mighty arm. I remember when I was uh, younger, we were living in South Africa, um, and I was uh, me and my sister used to sleep in the room when we were much same room when we were much younger. And one night there was an almighty screaming and shouting going on outside of our window, and we were really small and we just panicked. I remember jumping up just screaming, my sister was screaming, we did not know what was going on just outside our window, and we sprinted out of our room, down the corridor, and into my parents' room, and I remember vividly what happened, because my dad, I kid you not, leapt out of bed in a single bound, like in the ninja films, where someone just on their back, on their feet, absolutely incredible, and in one swoop as well, picked up a club which was by his bed, it's a Zulu weapon called a knob carry. And he was there. And I just remember actually the amazingly reassuring feeling as we ran past him that my dad was going out to meet whatever was coming behind us. 
And it did, he was just there to, to defend us. And um, it was a cat fight, so it was all a little bit of a, um, an anticlimax. But I, I will always remember that my dad was just there for us. But I also remember what happened afterwards as well, because when we realized it was a cat fight, his whole demeanor changed. And he came, we were sitting on his knee, we were there cuddling in bed for a while before we headed back to our own. And I love that. This is the picture. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. I'm here as a mighty warrior to defend my people. And then what do we read after that? He gathers his people in his arms like a shepherd, lambs in his arms. I don't know what you think God thinks of you this morning. I don't know what hole you think you're in or how much it feels that God just doesn't care. This is how God sees you. This is his heart towards you. He loves you. He wants to comfort you. Paul talks about the Lord as the God of comfort and endurance. He, 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 he comes to rescue you. Don't forget it. The first step when we feel like everything's going crazy, when everything's passing us by, is to remember the Lord loves us. He has not forgotten us. The next step is to take some time to focus on who it is who comes to us. What kind of a Lord it is who comes to our rescue. So often I think that my mistake is that I allow my problems, my pressures, um, maybe my busyness, or my attempts to solve whatever I'm trying to do, I let all of that drown out my picture of God. It just happens by accident. I just don't look up for long enough to see that. A couple of years ago, I was talking to a friend, and he told me about um, a true, uh, this is a story from his life, Um, he and two other friends had gone swimming in the sea, and while they were swimming, uh, one of them got in quite a lot of trouble and actually begins, began to, to sink and drown. And they were kind of just thrashing away and beginning to panic. Luckily, though, the, the third friend was a former lifeguard. And so um, he swam over to try and help their, their friend. But as he was trying to help this friend, the, 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 the drowning friends just, just wouldn't calm down, panicking, thrashing, grabbing hold on. And it looked for a while like, he was going to take them both down together until um, this lifeguard friend did something extraordinary. He punched the, 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 the drowning guy in the face. And I don't know whether they train you to do that. That's not actual advice from here. But apparently it was quite extraordinary. This guy was just so startled that he sort of, it, it, he stopped for long enough to realize that his friend was there to save him. And then actually all he needed to do was let his friend save him. Isn't it like you and me so often? We kind of panic and we thrash around. And actually what we need to realize is that Lord is there and let him save us. And that I think is, the, is what God is trying to do in this next middle part of the passage from verse um, uh, kind of 12 to 26. If you read over this again later, maybe you felt this as we were reading it before, it's like the purpose of all of this is to make us feel small. Did you feel small while you were reading that? It's like, you know, the nation's like a drop in the bucket. You know, all of, all of the forests of Lebanon couldn't wait, 
one fire before the Lord. The idea is to make us feel small. But really, that's because God is very, very big. God says, how big are your challenges? Things you think are just impossible. Well, you know, I carry around the, uh, the dust of the earth in a handbag. He says, you know, you think your situation's complicated, that no one could ever understand it. Well, I literally designed the universe and then turned on the light. You know, I didn't, no one gave me, no one gave me instruction. No one helped me out with the design. He says, the things you think you're praying about are weighty. He says, I, I weigh the nations on a scale and they don't even move. And I love this picture that he says, you know, you think the person that you've got a, a problem with is a, is a challenge. Well, princes and kings are like grass to me. You know, one day they're there, next day they're gone. Poof. You know, who are you worried about? The Taliban? Poof. You know, Trump? Well, he is. Poof. You know, Boris? Poof. These people that are big in our lives, the Lord, that is so small to him. When we are under pressure or ready to despair, first we have to remember the Lord's loving care for us, that he is coming, but also then who it is that we come to, who we wait for. How do we do that? There's lots of ways to do that. I think one of the best ways is just to take some time to worship. You know, when we come and gather on a Sunday and we worship, something amazing is happening. We are declaring, as we did earlier, that the kingdom and the power and the glory is the Lord, that he has no rivals, he has no equals. There's nothing in our lives that the Lord can't deal with. Taking time each day to do that, maybe coming back to this passage, reading some of this, reminding ourselves who he is, is part of a spiritual discipline of stopping long enough to see the one who's saving us. That's the third thing. Remember who is coming. And then finally, after we've done those two things, the third thing to do is to actually stop and wait on the Lord. I know that sounds a bit silly, but actually it still has to be done. Yes, uh, it does say here that the Lord gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's automatic. It doesn't necessarily mean that just because we're weak or just because we're struggling that the Lord is going to come to us. There's something in the scriptures again and again about coming to the Lord for that. He says, you know... um, All you who are weary and laden, come to me, and I will. Again and again, God's promises start with, come to me, come to me, wait upon me. And waiting doesn't have to necessarily be completely passive. It doesn't mean necessarily we do nothing, or it looks like nothing. But it does mean coming and laying things down before the Lord. It does mean depending on him. It does mean surrendering to his agenda, saying to the Lord, I'm going to wait for you, wait for your deliverance, your time, your way. Here are some things it can look like. It it, it looks like asking the Lord for help. It's like such a small thing to move from just thinking about the Lord and how big he is to actually saying to the Lord, I need your help. In James, it says... Sometimes you do not have because you do not ask. Jesus also talked about that. 
stopping long enough to ask. Sometimes it means slowing down for long enough to listen to the Lord, the quiet voice of the Lord. Sometimes it doesn't come in a moment. You have to stop for long enough to listen. The famous C.S. Lewis quote, the real problem of the Christian life comes when people do not usually look for it. It comes the very moment you wake up each morning. All your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. And the first job each morning consists simply in shoving them all back and in listening to that other voice, taking that other point of view, letting that other larger, stronger life come flowing in. And so all day. Many of us, again, know that, but you have to take the time to let the Lord speak into your day, your life, your challenges. Very often waiting for the Lord, I think, means also being willing to hold your nerve in a difficult situation. So often it feels like the tarmac's running out. It feels like time is running out to solve this problem. But actually, that's not how the Lord works. And we can either wait for the Lord, or sometimes we can find ourselves trying to solve it our way, using the devil's tools to try and do God's work. When Jesus was starving in the desert, he must have felt very urgent to eat something. The devil said to him, if you, the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. But the Lord replied, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the Lord. Maybe you're facing a situation like that at the moment. Are you willing to wait for the way God wants to do it? And then as well as waiting for the Lord, this is the hardest part. We have to keep waiting and keep waiting and keep waiting to say, I'm not going to, this is not negotiable. I'm not going to finish when I want to finish. I'm not going to give in when I think that the line is too close. But the Lord will come. He will come. Although they must have felt completely lost, he came for the people of Israel. Seventy years they waited, but the Lord came. He delivered his people. He brought them out. The Lord has come in Jesus. This little passage that is famous about a voice crying out in the wilderness, make a way for the Lord, is most famously picked up by John the Baptist at the beginning of the Gospels. The Lord is coming. How long did they have to wait for that? But he has come. The deliverance of the Lord. We have seen it. He will come again one day. And he will come for each one of us. And we have to know that. You have to hold on to that. Return relentlessly to this pattern. You haven't forgotten me. You are mighty. You are bigger than all of this. You are coming. And I will wait for you. As life gets busier, as some of us are facing big things this term, maybe even today, this passage is an invitation this morning to wait a lot upon the Lord, to let that deeper strength rise up. It's not necessarily the strength of being stronger, it's the strength of being carried. I love that line in our song, carried on the shoulders of God. That's what it feels like, that the strength that comes to the eagle. Do you know eagles don't really flap? They soar, they're carried on thermals, letting the Lord carry us. Whether it's waiting for deliverance, 
whether it's waiting for peace, whether it's waiting for an answer to prayer. This morning, the Lord says he loves you. He's coming. He's bigger than anything you're facing. Wait upon him and he will renew your strength. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this picture of your heart afresh this morning. Pray for some of us just need to hear your fierce desire to defend us, to strengthen us, to come to our aid. Some of us need to hear, hold on, hold on, hold on, I'm coming. Some of us need to hear, choose to wait. We thank you for your promise and we pray that just as you have your people all through the ages, just as you have already come in Jesus, would you come again afresh to us today? We need your strength. Amen.